Well, we are still yet in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, drawing to a close now the Lord's Sermon, and as we saw last week, the Lord was quite serious in giving a warning about false prophets. I think he's very serious about what he tells us today in this passage and next time as well. The Lord is really wanting us to really take seriously Him. So hear now the word of the Lord from Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. It's interesting, there's a symmetry in these last couple of paragraphs. In the passage we'll look at next week, the Lord says, Everyone. And then he spells out something about everyone. This time he says in verse 21 to start this particular teaching of Christ, not everyone. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. The gospel writers, in giving us as much information as we can possibly imagine, and certainly as much as we need concerning the life and the teaching of our Lord, seem to sort of uh, have the information parceled out in an exceptional way. Matthew, we have a lot of the teachings of Christ. We have a lot of the deeds of Christ, a lot of the background around Christ, showing his very Hebraic Hebrew origins. In the Gospel of Mark, we have the Lord straightway going here, straightway doing that, straightway doing that, and performing mighty miracles, as well as, of course, teaching. But in the Gospel of John, we find discourses, long, weighty discourses, conversations in many cases with individuals. And that's what I want to look to the, to the discourses of Christ to help us maybe understand more about what he's trying to tell us here in this very brief admonition. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. The very expression, Lord, Lord, is an intensive. It's doubled. You see it over and over in Scripture when someone will call someone's name. It's a plea on top of an address. Not only are they addressing them, but they're pleading with them. Remember Jesus said, Martha, Martha. Well, this is a plea. And this is those that will be pleading, pleading with the Lord on a particular day. The next phrase names it that day, the judgment day. What is the issue? Well, 
Lord, Lord, haven't we done these wonderful things? And Jesus says, not everyone who names my name, who calls on my name in a particular way, everyone who does works in my name necessarily will be in the kingdom. Who will be in the kingdom? Those that do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Let's go to one of those discourses in John and see if we can get a little more help as to what Jesus meant when he talked about the will of his Father. He that does the will of my Father. He says in John chapter 6, beginning in verse uh, uh, 37, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. So the one coming to Christ here is not going to be cast out. He's not going to hear those words, depart from me. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. That's Jesus' succinct declaration of what God's will is. It is God's will that you look upon the Son as he is manifested to you in the gospel as he has been raised up, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must I be lifted up, and I will draw all men unto me. Christ wants us to look upon him, look and live by believing in him. And that's what he says, but I will raise him up on the last day, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up, on the last day. It's an interesting little phrase there. The Lord is raised up by his resurrection and by the gospel preaching of his death, burial, and resurrection. And then we believe in him as we see him by the eye of faith, trust in him. And then he will raise us up because he has imparted to us eternal life. Now in the passage, he talks about on that day, verse 22, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, what day are we talking about here in reference? Well, we're talking about a judgment day. We're talking about a day when all people, men, women, boys and girls, will face a judgment. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. When is the judgment? After the death. So Jesus speaks about that judgment as well. And the pictures that are given to us in the scripture of this judgment are taken from a couple of places, the usual places, the Old Testament background, the, the background of Israel. There is, if you remember from your readings in the Old uh, uh, passages in Kings and Chronicles, 
that David, King David, the first king of the United Kingdom in Israel, sat upon a throne of ivory. Can you imagine that? Beautiful throne of ivory. It's called, in the New Testament, the great white throne. And that's the picture of the judgment where all the authority is, where God reigns supreme, and where the supreme judge of all the earth, that is the Messiah, the King of Israel, David's son, eventually will sit in judgment upon that great white throne. There's a picture in the New Testament given to something similar. I don't think it has the majesty and the beauty, but there was the bima. It was the Greco-Roman bar of justice. It was the place where the judge or the magistrate or the one who was render a verdict would sit and we would stand before that. There are other metaphors used in the scripture concerning this judgment. It's sometimes referred to as a harvest where all is gathered in and wheat is separated from tares. There's another mental picture of this that I think is very vivid and that is that of a sheep and goat. There's a roundup And all are brought before the judge and they are sorted out according to the sheep. And we'll hear a little more about Jesus' sheep in just a moment. The sheep are placed on his right, the goats upon his left. Uh, This is a supreme judgment. Let's see what the scriptures say about that. In John 5... 25, hear the word of the Lord here. This is Jesus speaking in one of the great discourses. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so he has granted that the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him, that is the Father has given the Son, authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel that this hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come out those that have done good to resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the uh, resurrection of judgment. Isn't that an interesting phrase? The resurrection of judgment. You think when you die that you've made it? You're taught in school, if you went to public school, that when you die, that's it. Whatever you did in your life, you got away with it. They can't get you now. You're gone. But you're not beyond the reaches of the judgment of God. Because he will raise you up to face that very judgment. The Father judges no one, but is given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you that whoever hears my word and believes on him who has sent him, sent me, has eternal life. Can you see the urgency? Christ absolutely, singularly, fundamentally insist that we come to him, that we believe on him, that we come to him as savior of our life in every way and the Lord and master of our life. 
This person that believes in the Lord has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Jesus said back in the Matthew passage, there in the very next phrase, Many on that day will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? These are the people that are coming to the Lord who have had some sense of belonging to the Lord. They've had some sense of working for the Lord. I think this applies to everybody, but it has a special application, which I'll not deal with this morning, but it has a special application, I think, to the ministers, the ones who have preached and prophesied and built great empires and done mighty works and seen miracles and marvelous things in the name of the Lord. But just because someone calls on the name of Jesus and says they're doing something in his name does not mean that they belong to him. Another discourse will help us straighten that out a little bit, and that's found over in chapter 10 of the Gospel of John. John 10 and verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. You remember the words of the verdict? Depart from me, I never knew you. Here is Jesus talking about the knowledge of him and those that do know him. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life and they never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Here's a beautiful picture of Christ as a shepherd. Knowing his sheep. They, the sheep, hearing his voice. Following him. And coming into a place of safety. Not only into the fold, but into the very palm of the shepherd's hand. No one can snatch you away when you belong to the shepherd. When you know him, and most importantly, he knows you. In fact, the issue is not do we know the Lord. There's a sense in which we all know the Lord because of the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The supreme question this morning is, do you know that Jesus knows you? Let me ask you a few questions as we close. What do you think about Jesus? How do you stand now, long before a judgment seat? How do you stand now before Jesus? What kind of relationship do you have to him? Not to the church, not to the denomination, not to any other thing you can think of, but Jesus himself. Have you come to Christ for salvation? Do you believe into Christ? 
What must I do to be saved? The simple question was asked by the Philippian jailer. And the response was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Is your faith in Jesus' work on your behalf? Do you know what he did for you in a perfectly obedient life and in a willing sacrificial death that are yours by faith? Availing yourself of that work. Not what you can do to get right with Jesus, but trusting what Jesus has done to make you right with God. Are you following Christ? Does Jesus know you? Are you his sheep? Has Jesus subdued your heart? Has Jesus called you into the kingdom of God? Are you born of his spirit? Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Are you living in Jesus' truth? Christ gives truth, which is basically a correct perception of reality. That's what truth is. It's the right perception of the way things actually are. Are you living in God's truth? Are you living according to human perspectives? Lies, misconceptions. Are you living in Jesus' peace? He said, my peace I give to you. I leave it with you. You may have a troubled soul this morning. If you don't belong to the Lord, I hope you do. I'm not here to give you comfort. I don't want to give you comfort in your sins. I don't want to assure you that you're okay when you're not. I certainly don't want to say anything that will smooth over and will ease the pain. I don't want to say peace, peace, when there is no peace. I want you just to hear the words of Jesus. Are you born of his spirit? Are you living in his truth? Are you living in his peace? Remember a couple of weeks ago, are you walking the narrow road? Have you come through the constricted gate, which is Christ himself, and are now on that narrow road? I'll make one plea. If you haven't before, please come to Christ today. At least begin that quest that asks these questions of your own soul. If the answers come out right, you don't have to worry about that judgment day. There's a verdict that's already been entered on your behalf. It's not guilty. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Did you know that the Lord will save you this early? On daylight savings time. In fact, today, they're the early hours, and we walked into this room, it was still kind of dark. Today is the day the Lord has made. When we see the dawning of today, we're seeing the day of salvation. The day of salvation is today. Now is the accepted time. Come to the Lord for all eternity, for the sake of of his name, but mostly at the moment
for the sake of your own soul. Don't put it off. Don't pass it by. Don't say, I'll get to it. Don't say, I've already done that. The apostles tell us to make our calling and election sure. We're told to examine ourselves to see whether we be in the faith. So do it this morning. Even as we partake of communion, the very body and blood of Christ, the very symbols of his sacrifice and salvation, have him come into your heart and soul and come into him in his entirety.